Riley is a leadership and employee development strategist. She's a woman's corporate boardness program mentor and an eight times best selling author who helps career women live a life free from corporate burnout. Stay with us for more on Whitney Riley's story. You have a story, a story that is unique, a story that needs to be heard, a story that people care about. So it can get them to stand up for what they believe in. It can inspire them to change. It can inspire them to take action. It can inspire them to care. Care enough to be the light to someone's darkness. Care enough to extend a helping hand to someone who's down and out. Care enough to call things the way they are and see them for what they could be. Your story can make a difference. Your story can save a life. Your story matters. One story changed the entire world. Your story could do the same. All you've got to do is own your story. If you're just joining us, then welcome to Books with Bridgetti. I'm Bridgette Limbanda, your host from Cape Town in South Africa, and our live stream is made possible by StreamYard and BeLive Media, helping business owners make live videos. A special warm welcome to you, our audience, because this is what it's all about. It's an audience-centric show. So whether you're watching us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, Twitter, also over on Amazon Live, a very warm welcome to you. If you're brand new to the show, if you've never watched the show before, please feel welcome to type new in the comments or just let me know that you, you're new or that you're a first-time viewer and we would love to give you a shout-out. Um, our amazing guest today is Whitney Wiley. She's an organizational uh, leadership and employee development strategist. She's also a board director, a women's corporate board readiness program mentor and boy do women need that um whitney is also an eight times best-selling author a podcaster and a speaker and she helps career women plan their resignation through strategy coaching and planning so that they can live a life free from corporate burnout this is such an important uh, conversation or topic because of the times that we live in. Everyone is feeling the pressure and the stress and the burnout. And how do we go from surviving to thriving? Let's invite Whitney to chat about this and, um, and hear her thoughts and how she helps women thrive. Whitney, welcome to the show. So pleased to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. Um, and I am absolutely looking forward to our conversation um, today. 
happy to talk about the two amazing books that we're in, which is The Fearless Entrepreneurs and also um, Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore. And um, we've got Sally Green saying a hello to us there, who's also in one of the books for us. So Sally, welcome. Great to see you in the audience. Um, so you are an eight times best-selling author. And yes. I want to just, you know, how do you how do you do it? Where do you find the time in your busy schedule to be writing so much? <laughs> Actually, I'm writing a lot more than even the, the eight books would indicate. So I've contributed to the eight books, but um, I am working on a couple of solo projects. So I'm, I'm constantly writing and I actually have a practice called Morning Pages that I am, it just, it helps with the creativity. It helps me to stay in the flow of writing. Uh, and I run a writer's accountability group. So it's really important. It's part of how I communicate my message. And um, uh, it's something that I really enjoy doing. But let me take a step back because you said, welcome to me. And then you jumped right in and I didn't have a chance to say thank you. Um, for Jetty for uh, having me on your show. I appreciate it. And um, I'm in California, so we're worlds apart, but um, I am happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love the title of a couple of the, 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 the books that you're in, and it's all about one habit. Yeah. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that before we jump into the other books, because oftentimes, we feel overwhelmed by change and you know where do we get started and i like the fact that a couple of those books started with one habit tell us a little bit about that absolutely so there is a series it's called one habit there are a number of different books i have contributed to one habit for the world's greatest leaders one habit for success one habit for entrepreneurial success and the concept is exactly that baby steps, right? All you need to do to change your life is to change one habit. And if you can change something, right, and take action on it, then you have the opportunity to um, change your life in ways you probably never even dreamed of. And to have that kind of impact on other people that we all you know, strive to have. So um, I have enjoyed contributing to those books. Um, one of them, the, the One Habit for Entrepreneurial Success is the largest book ever published on entrepreneurial success and uh, really proud to be a part of that project. Is that the One Habit for Entrepreneurial Success and your chapter is work when you do your best work? Yes. Yes. And so what I, you know, what, how I work with my clients is to start with a vision. You know, I think it's really difficult to get where you're going if you don't know where you're going. Right. And there's right. a, this is a paraphrase. I think of the Cheshire cat and Alice in Wonderland. That basically, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere will do. And so <laughs> the way to get where you're going is to, know where you're going, and then put a plan together. And you can be spontaneous along the way. I think a lot of people feel like if I plan things, it doesn't allow me to be spontaneous. And that's not the case. You can always be spontaneous, but you know, you still want to have a goal, something that you're shooting for 
you take action, you, you change a habit, you take a baby step. And as you take one step after the other, one day you look up, you look back, you see how far you've come. And you're like, wow, I got where I was going. And it was just because you took one step after another. And so one of the things I think is really important is that you understand when you do your best work. I'm a morning person. And so I'm really good about getting up early, getting the things done that I want to get done, and then shutting it off in the middle of the day. I, I like to be done around three o'clock in the afternoon. And so that requires that I get up, but that's because I work best that way. My husband, on the other hand, works well in the evening. <laughs> and so he will often work till midnight. There's no way I'm working till midnight. I just, I, my brain, doesn't work that way. And so I would rather get up, go to sleep, get up at three o'clock in the morning and get something done than to stay up till, you know, midnight, one or two o'clock in the morning. So I think it's really important that you understand when you work best, do those things that require your best thinking, your best creativity, mm -hmm. when you, when you work well, and then save the like the, maybe the mundane tasks. You're returning phone calls or emails. Um, return those later in the day or a different part of the day, and use your best thinking, your best creativity um, when you do that best. And I think for entrepreneurs in particular, but really anyone, if you can master that particular habit, it will definitely make a change in how you do your work. The thought that sprung to mind for me while listening to you was being intentionally spontaneous. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> that I, I, I love that. And that's my approach. So I am a time blocker. Um, and every minute, I learned this a few years ago, every minute has a purpose. And so even play, right? I schedule in play time. I schedule in, I guess, spontaneity time. Um, or free time, but it's scheduled, it's intentional, it's purposeful, it's right. for relaxing and, you know, chilling and whatever, but it's very intentional. And what I find is a benefit for that, particularly for women, um, is that there's then nothing to feel guilty about when you are supposedly doing nothing, right? A, a lot of us have this this um, problem where we feel like if we are not doing something, somehow we're missing out or um, somehow we're not being productive. And I am a huge believer self-care. Uh, you have mm. to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. You have to feed your mind, body and spirit with things that lift you up and uh, help you to be productive and happy and um, and be able to serve other people. And if you don't do that, then you start to feel that burnout, right? That right. burn down. And then you can't contribute and you are um, wondering why, what, you know, what's going on? Why do I have brain fog? How come I can't think? Why can't I focus? Um, why am I irritable with my family? Or it's like putting your mask work? on first, right? Exactly. It's like they say, if, you, if you're in a plane, put your own mask on first because Absolutely. you can't serve others. Or even people who are first aiders. You can't pour from an empty cup. Right. Is right. The thing. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And so you've got to take care of yourself. 
And until you do that, it makes everything else more difficult. But we've got to let go of a couple of things. One is fear. Another is, is perfectionism, right? Feeling like it ha- mm-hmm. we have to do it perfectly or it has to be done a particular way. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us may struggle. I know I, I struggled with that, you know, the sort of perfectionist mm-hmm. syndrome. And it really holds you back terribly, you know, from yes. moving forward <laughs> when you when you have this overarching um sense of everything has to be just perfect before I do the next step. You know, you, you hold your back yourself back tremendously when you do yes. that. But I do like I learned I learned this um the way of doing things is just also listening to to you talk about getting things done and being strategic. Um, you know, so the saying goes early in the year, early in the month, early in the week, early in the day, and just get things out of the way, get it done, be structured, be intentional, but also be intentional about self-care. I want to talk a little bit yes. about the book um Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore. And your okay. chapter intrigues me. Um, you talk about being authentically me. Now, a lot of people don't quite get what authenticity means or what it should be, what it should like. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by being authentically you and what that means for other people? What is authenticity about? So for me, and and I'm going to preface this, that a lot of things that we talk about um, in life that people say that they want to be maybe balanced, maybe it's authentic, you know, um, successful. The definition resides within you. You have to decide what being authentic is to you. You have to decide what being successful is to you. You have to decide what whatever it is, right? That ultimately you have to figure out what that means for you. In general, it means just being true to who you are. I, um, I, I subscribe to this notion that we don't need fixing, right? We're not broken. We don't need fixing. We probably need to rediscover who we've always been, right? And so life parents, they love us, but (laughs) parents, well-meaning, they pile things on. We get these layers, schools, peers, society, these expectations and how we're supposed to live our lives. And so when we're trying to, you know, do all the things for other people, we start to lose the essence of who we are. If you look at kids, they are pure bundles of joy right? They're just going about life, doing, um, playing, being joyful, happy. They're exploring. They're curious about everything. And as we get older, we start to have these expectations put on us that we're supposed to be realistic about life. We're supposed to get serious. And all of that, the play, the imagination starts to fade away. And as more of that goes away, we lose the authenticity of who we are at at our core. 
And so it's about getting in touch with that, going back, being willing to be curious and playful and creative. One of the things that I discovered um, out of tragedy, unfortunately, my son passed away in 2005. And um, in the months and the year, early years after that, I wanted to... Um, start tapping into some of my creative side. Now, I always thought I wasn't creative. I always thought I was logical, analytical. I studied mathematics in college uh, originally. Um, I went to law school. So I, I was like, yeah, you're very logical, analytical, and you're not creative. You, I used to joke, I couldn't draw a, a straight line with a ruler. And so I started placing limitations on myself about what I could do. And we all do that in some respect, right? We um, run up against an obstacle and we, we internalize that. And it becomes, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're inside yourself right? You, you start to make yourself invisible to yourself and to the world because you're not living uh, your full purpose. You're not living um, as big as you could be. And that's not to say that we all are supposed to be on grand stages, right? Everybody's not going to speak in front of 50,000 people or audience of millions or be in movies or those kinds of things. But we all have the ability to be our biggest and best selves for the, the audience that we have, whether that's our family, whether it's our church or our synagogue, the, the community that we live in at work, all of those are places where we can shine if we will allow ourselves to do that. And so being authentically me, being authentically you means just stepping into who you are, not being afraid to bring your quirks, right? Bring the, the things that make you you. And so that it's interesting that we think, you know, what normal is and normal is, you know, people, normal people act this way. But the reality is that being quirky, being unique, that's normal. Right. Because each and every one of us, all seven plus billion of us on this planet are different from the other six billion, nine hundred ninety nine million, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we are all different. We are all unique and therefore normal. That that's what's normal is being unique, not all trying to fit into some box of what we're, we're, we think we're supposed to be, do, and have. And once we will accept that, it becomes easier to be willing to dream. And I, we stop dreaming, right? Well, you ask children, what, is it, what, is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they've got all kinds of ideas. And then somewhere along the way, someone says, you need to be a realistic. That won't pay the bills. You can't do that. And you stuff that dream and you go and do something else, you know, get in the family business of being a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is. And that's not really who you are and what you want, but it's what's expected. And so you do it. And then you always have inside of you sort of this, I, I wish I could, you know, be an actor or could 
um, paint or, you know, drive race cars or whatever it is. When in reality, and I think um, we are living in a time and space where we can see that you can make a living doing absolutely anything, right? Maybe that wasn't the case 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, we've got the technology that allows you to earn a living renting out your house, renting out your car, driving your car for strangers, uh, being on uh, YouTube or Amazon Live or whatever it is, right? These things weren't, weren't happening. I won't say they couldn't have happened, but um, they didn't happen until they started to happen. And now it, whatever you can dream is possible. And so why not explore you know, all the things that excite you, that you're interested in, and be open to the opportunities and the possibilities that present themselves or that you create that will allow you to make a living doing whatever it is you want to do. And so when you are authentic and answering to that part of yourself, it allows you to tap into, you know, the creativity that answers the question, well, how am I going to do this? But it's yeah. really difficult to get there if you are living someone else's dream, living someone else's expectations. And the truth is, you know, that we are seldom happy people when we are not being our authentic selves. There right. will be that something inside of us that um, just makes us not feel truly who we are or or really, really happy. As you said, there'll always be that nagging voice inside, um, you know, and you're always wondering if, and it's funny how we try and conform to society. We try and yes. conform to our partners. We want to please our parents. We want to please our community. And for some reason, we put ourselves on the back burner. Yeah. Um, and it prevents us from being happy, from being our true selves, you know. And one of the reasons I wanted to also ask you about, you know, what does it mean to be authentic, just in terms of being online? Because um, I see a lot of people sort of don't quite understand what it means to be authentic. Being authentic doesn't necessarily mean wearing your heart on your sleeve. That's not what authenticity um is about yeah, you don't because some people get that up. wrong you don't <laughs> you can be i think you know th that that piece about vulnerability is you don't have to put everything out there right that that's not the requirement but being vulnerable being authentic being willing to share who you are that the vulnerability part is being okay that if people don't like who you are that that's okay, right? That's the vulnerable part. Vulnerable, vulnerable part is putting just being who you are and allowing that to stand on its own. I have a um, uh, on my uh, desktop on my computer. I've got a vision board, and one of the um, pictures on the vision board is Betty Davis. And she has a quote that says, um, what other people think of me is none of my business. And so it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's not that I don't care, right? So I don't go through life running roughshod over people. I, that's not what that means, that I don't mm. what you think of me is none of my business. It's not that I 
want to be abusive or rude or anything like that. Or obnoxious. That you, it's, not, it's not about being obnoxious. It, it's not about any of that. It's about I am who I am. <laughs> you don't like that. I, you know, actually, I'm sorry for you because I, I think I'm pretty awesome. And the people that I know think I'm pretty awesome. And, you know, we could probably have a great friendship or relationship that could be beneficial personally, business wise, and other things. But if you form an opinion about me or someone else without really getting to know who they are, then you really are cheating yourself. Right. And we all have to uh, sort of get out of our way when it comes to mm. relationships and relating with other people and giving them a chance and not expecting people to be reflections of who we are. Of who and you are. Right. And in reality, the things that we see in other people that we don't like is generally a reflection of the things about ourselves that we don't like. So uh, we right. have to really stop and get curious about what's going on there. Why don't you like somebody? What, why do you feel that way about? Now, there are obnoxious, mean, evil, rude people in the world, but there's a reason that they are that. And maybe mm -hmm. you not responding to them in kind is what it will take for them to start to turn that around. Right. Linda is asking a, a, a question that I think is a great one. She says, how do you know when you've reached that point of authenticity? So again, I think you have to decide ultimately what that looks like for you, right? So for me, um, I knew I reached that point sort of when I got to a place where I, did, I don't care what other people think of me in, in general, right? In general, I don't care because I know who I am. I know where my heart is. I know what my motives are. I know what I'm about. I know that I'm not here trying to hurt people, right? So once you are in touch with who you are and what you bring to the table, um, mm. then it doesn't matter what other people think. Right. Except for this, except for that, I will say this. If you're getting a consistent uh, some input that's consistent, right? And uh, what people say about you really is just feedback. It's information. So if you're getting some consistent feedback that is saying that you are a particular way, maybe you've got blinders on about that. And if that's something that a way that you don't want to be seen, then it will require some, some work on your part to get in touch with how, why is that coming out? Why I don't mean to be that. So why is that coming out? Why how is that manifesting? Why are people seeing that in me? Um, if one person says it, it, maybe that's you know they're having an off day, you're having an off day. But if you're getting something consistent, then that I think would require um, some introspection, getting curious about it, and then um, being honest. I'm a big believer in self awareness, and I think. Um, pretty much everything starts there. I, I do a lot of work about leadership and leadership starts with being aware of who you are, how you interact and relate with other people. And until you can get a grasp on that, uh, it, it's easy to just kind of go through life uh, running roughshod over people. 
Sally also wants to know um, when are you not afraid of criticism, which is also a good question. Um, you know, I really do believe that one does need to reach that point where you start feeling secure from within and that that yeah. security shouldn't be dependent on external factors you know i always say make you happy inside no one can just no one yeah. can disturb your happy place without your permission absolutely absolutely i i think you get to a place where you're not afraid of criticism um when you again trust that you are the person that you want to be so you have a vision of that who do you want to be if you could you know project yourself at the end of your life not you know, the most fun exercise, but I think it's a really good one to do. You project yourself at the, at the end of your life. And what are people saying about you? Right. What would people say at the end of your, at the end of your life? And um, if it's not what you want them to say, then you've got some work to do in order to be what you want to be, not what they want you to be, but who you want to be. So if you're okay with people saying, you know, whatever it is, then continue to live your life the way you're living your life. That, that, that's authentic too, right? Even if you are, you know, a bully, if you're okay with that, then you get to reap the consequences that go along with that. But if, if you're coming across as a bully and that's not what you want, or, you know, people are constantly uh, criticizing something that you're doing. Again, I think introspection, finding some time to get some self-awareness about what's going on uh, and why people are saying that. Giving people opportunity to, to talk with you without being defensive, right? So if someone is saying or several someones are saying that you're coming across in a particular way that you don't want to be, Ask them some questions about it. Is it situational? Is it all the time? You know, often um, things will happen. People will catch us in not so great moments, right? And um, when they catch us in those moments, they form an opinion that that's how we are. And yeah. if that's not how you are, if it was truly a moment, then, you know, maybe there's a, a, an opportunity to say when, I face, you know, in a situation maybe where I'm pressured or under the gun or something like that. I've got to find some other strategies for how to deal with that so I don't come across in a way that's abrasive or um, and rude so that people, that's who people think that I am because I've done that twice in the last 20 years and someone happened to be there to observe it, right? That, that, that doesn't mean that's who you are. And, but it requires some self-awareness on your part and a willingness to listen to other people. Um, and you, but you have to give them space. You've got to give them a floor and safety to, to share, not be defensive, not try to explain yourself away. And then you go and you know have the conversation with yourself about what you might need to do to make some changes. Right. I just want to point out to, to everyone who's watching us, if you are watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, if you scoot over to um, Amazon Live, you will see that we've got the book we were just talking about, Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore.
and Whitney's chapter is called Authenticity. And so we're talking a little bit about authenticity. Now, what I would like to know, what you what I would like you to know about that is that the book in all the all the proceeds from the book Invisible No More, Invincible Forever More, goes to a nonprofit called Dress for Success. So if you buy the book Dress for if you buy the book, the proceeds go to Dress for Success. It's a nonprofit charity organization registered. And the proceeds of that book is going to help other women. So if you are all about empowering other women, in other words, you know, I like the phrase being able to give people a, a hand up on your way up the ladder. So if that is you and you're wanting to help other women, or if you're a man out there and you're watching and you're passionate about helping the women in your life, um, then buy the book as a gift for yourself or a gift for someone that you love and help dress for success at the same time. So we want to move on to, um, to the other book we want to talk about today, which is The Fearless Entrepreneurs. And again, if you are over on Amazon, that book is also in the carousel. It's called The Fearless Entrepreneurs. And we're going to be talking in a minute about um, Whitney's chapter, which is called Out of My Head. The proceeds of that book will go to Lemonade Day. Again, it's a non-profit charity whose mission it is to help youth for life um, through fun, proactive, and experiential um, programs. And they also help young people with life skills, character education, and entrepreneurship. So all the funds for that book is going into that charity organization so Whitney getting back to you your chapter is called out of my head and I think it's such a intriguing um chapter because I think that is something that all entrepreneurs struggle with is headspace and how they feel about themselves and project and and so they kill their entrepreneurial journey even before they get started talk to us a little bit about your chapter out of my head certainly so you know it started i had a, an entrepreneurial journey i don't know 20 something years ago uh it started down a path and it didn't work out and i in the middle of trying to make that work i went back to work, waiting tables. I had had a job as an, an engineering um, aide at an engineering technician for a public works department, was doing fabulous work that I actually loved doing, uh, very technical, was working my way towards uh, being an engineer uh, through a different route because I didn't study engineering in college. I studied applied mathematics. And so I was sort of doing this work around to, to get to on this path, but I was struggling. Uh, in school, I was struggling with the subject matter and the engineering and sort of the transition. Um, but I enjoyed the work I was doing with designing freeways and roads and things like that, learning how to use CAD. Uh, and then I learned that part of that process was this the environmental um, aspect of public works projects. And I started projecting myself 30 years into the future. I was like, yeah, if I worked on these projects and nothing ever happened, you know, because 
you know, environmentalists uh, and not knocking environmentalists. They have a job to do and I get it. But I was sitting and like, I don't want to spend my life working on things that won't matter. Right. That aren't going to happen. They don't have sort of an, an end game. And I started thinking about other things that I was interested in. And one of them was helping people to live their dreams. And so um, I started down this path of entrepreneurship. It didn't work. And, and I didn't have that job to go back to. So I started waiting tables. Um, hated waiting tables. <laughs> Just not my thing. And um, and then I ultimately went back to school. I went to law school, um, started a career as a lawyer and a lobbyist. And in the early days, I, it, oddly enough, after sort of running away from politics with the public works, I end up in a place where I was directly involved in politics as a lobbyist. And the early days were fine. And then there came a time where I didn't enjoy it so much. And then that was compounded after the death of my son and I'm asking all these questions about life and what's the meaning of life and you know life is short and why am I spending my time doing things I don't really have passion for why am I wasting my time but I didn't know really what I wanted to do right if I wasn't going to do that and I spent my time in law school intentionally working towards that end as a lobbyist. And then I get there and I didn't enjoy it so much. I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not qualified to do anything else. And oddly enough, I didn't have um, a bachelor's degree. So in California, um, there are uh, some law schools that you can attend. They're bar accredited. I didn't need a, a bachelor's degree to go to law school to pass the bar. And so that was the path that I took. But if I gave up the law and went in a different direction, I didn't have something else that I actually could do. So I started thinking about uh, how I was going to make a transition. It involved going back to school. The things I was interested in by that point um, involved leadership and management. My observation of what I thought was less than stellar leadership. And I kept thinking there has to be a better way. So I went back to school, got a bachelor's in organizational behavior and then a master's in organizational development and leadership. And um, and I kept thinking I would get a job. I wasn't thinking about being an entrepreneur. Um, and when my husband first mentioned it, I was like, yeah, I guess I could do that, but you know, I don't really want to. And part of it was this fear that I had failed before. And so it's like, well, I've already done that and it didn't work. And so I guess I'm just not cut out to be one. And th that's not the case, right? So I was very much wrapped up in my head, the, the, hence the title. Um, again, uh, it was like overthinking and trying to reason and how would I make this happen? And I had to let go of some of that analytical stuff and just get in touch with what was really important to me, what, how I felt like I could make a difference, what how I would combine my talents, my tools, um, my gifts, and, and how I could package that in a way that would allow me 
uh, to make a living, right? If I wasn't going to be a lawyer and a lobbyist, what was I going to be? And so in addition to school, I got a coaching, uh, went through coaches training, and I still wasn't thinking <laughs> that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I just kept thinking somebody's going to hire me to do this organizational thing somewhere else. But the more I thought about it, it's like, I don't really want to work for somebody else. And if I'm not going to work for someone else, how am I going to do this? So it really was, and, and the interesting thing was, as much as I felt like I needed to be in touch with my, my, my soul, with my heart, and make some decisions that were not so analytical, not so logical, I actually had to think my way out of that. Uh, where th that's where the irony is. I had to actually think my way out of being um, overly analytical. And what I realized is that there's a balance, right? And th there's a place. And it may not be 50-50, right? And it may who and on different days it it ebbs and flows. And that's one of the things about uh, balance. It's not so much being balanced. It's about balancing. And so there are days when I am very much living out of my heart and doing things that I feel and that feel right. And then there are other days when I have to think through what I'm doing. Um, but the, it ebbs and flows. And ultimately, it's about using all parts of me, all the gifts that I've been given, which is I have a brain, I have a heart, and I have to use them both and, and not exclude one um, for the other. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot. I don't know if you have your copy of the Fearless Entrepreneurs um, with you. Do you have a Do you have a favorite um, paragraph in the book? Um, that um, I, I do, um, huh. I do have a copy with me. I, let's see, you know, I think the beginning is, um, one of the things there's the, the quote by Dale Carnegie that I have that says an action breeds fear, breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. So it becomes about taking action, ultimately. Hence the name of my business, which is shifting into action. And so there is a place for thinking. There's a place for planning. There is a place for feeling. And ultimately, you get to, you use those things, right? Those tools, those um, resources that you have available to you. And you make a decision that some, you're going to move in a particular direction. And then you have to take action. And until, until you take action, nothing changes, right? And it, it is, it's just an exercise in your head or in your heart. Uh, you could write it on paper, but ultimately you have to do something. And this goes back to you know one of the questions you asked earlier um, about taking action and taking a step, a baby step, changing a habit, right? It, it, it's just taking one step at a time. 
And there's a, um, I am a, a Jack Canfield certified success principles trainer. And there is a, a concept that he has um, that's called ready, fire, aim, instead of ready, aim, fire. So it's ready. That, that's the thinking, the heart, yeah. the brain, right? Coming up, this is what I'm going to do. And then you just do it. And then you assess, did, did I hit my target? If you didn't hit your target, then you make some adjustments, right? Maybe they're macro adjustments, maybe they're micro adjustments, but you make some adjustments. And then you fire again and you check to see where you are. And so you can sit and think forever and never do anything because you're waiting for, we talked about this earlier as well, perfection. You're waiting for the perfect moment, which is never going to come. Um, as I say, the perfect moment to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next perfect <laughs> moment is now. Is now. <laughs> right? It's now. It's now. So it, it, we, we can't go back. So now. So take some action. Yes. See where you get. And if you need to make some changes, make some changes. It's feedback. That all that is, uh, the, the thing that we are most afraid of is nothing but feedback. It's information that we can take get curious about, ask questions, and then say, okay, well, that makes some sense. Well, let me try it this way, or let me try it this way. And you just keep taking one step after another. Right. What jumps out at me is now is being open to feedback and then being agile. Yeah. Um, then taking and then taking and then taking action in response in response to that, you know. Um, I really like that. I wanted to ask you, just in, just thinking of the two books and the other books that you've written, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we're specifically talking about Invisible No More, Invincible Forevermore, and then the, the Fearless Entrepreneurs. And I looked at, you know, your, your work, the books that you're involved in, but the two we're talking about today, and then the name of your company, Shifting Into Action. It all just seems to flow together so i'm very curious how did you come up with your company name shifting into action because those are all powerful words how did you come up with that with that with that name um it, it was born of my experiences right and i again i'm, I'm huge on self-awareness and so i spend time every single day I have a morning routine. It includes meditation and exercise and affirmations and visualizations and, and the like. And then there's time, um, particularly when I'm out running. I run three days a week. I walk the other days a week because um, I have a dog and he needs to get out. And so it's I wear headphones, but I don't generally ever have anything playing. Um, it's just so that I can like focus in. And I'm thinking the entire time I'm out walking or running and ideas are coming to create creative ideas are coming to me. Um, I'm thinking through, you know, why is this happening? W what have I done to invite this into my life? Where, where can I go next? How am I going to do this? I'm asking the questions. I don't always get the answers um, right away, but I'm asking the questions because I think curiosity helps to bring that self-awareness in. And so right. I was um, 
you know, working through the, at the time I was going through coaches training and I was like, well, my, the original business was called the winner's edge. And I wanted to separate from that. And what I, what coaching is about ultimately is helping people get out of their own way, right? Helping them understand that everything they need, they already have. You, you have what you need. You know what you need to know. It's about bringing it out. I'm here as a guide to help you bring it out, to then put together a plan and implement it. But I can't do that. So you have to, after you've done all the stuff, at some point you've got to move. So it's about shifting the mindset from just you know thinking about things and to so that you get to a point where you are taking action on things um and they go together and it it's is really a, a a feedback loop really right so you, again going with the ready at fire aim it's a feedback loop you're doing something you're assessing you're taking action you're thinking about it you're assessing it you're figuring out how can i do this better if i tweak this uh, but you're constantly going to be taking action and until you can get to a place where you can shift your mindset so that you can do that. And a lot of times we've got so many blocks, right, that, that the job of the coach is simply to help you recognize that you have the blocks and then help you to move through the blocks, over the blocks under the blocks, around the blocks, whatever, bust them. Um, if it's not serving you, then how can we maneuver it, right? How can we move through it, around it, whatever? And that's what that, that that's about. Before we before we end, talk to us a little bit about um, why dealing with corporate burnout is so important because of the times we, we're living in um at the moment we've got a lot of additional you know we live our lives with with stress we can't avoid stress but considering that we've had to pivot into roles and ways of um working that challenge us in ways we never may have anticipated or expected um, can you give us some tips on on avoiding corporate burnout? Sure, sure. Um, I, I I will say this: start with what it is that you want, right? Uh, we're all too often focused on what we don't want, what's not working, uh, and so start with what it is you want. Where is it that you want to go? How do how do you? And not just oh, I want you know um, you know. 2,000 square foot house or this car, that car. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. Who do you want to be, right? Um, and if it is about uh, acquiring something or doing something, who do you have to be in order to have the things and do the things that you want? So having a vision is really important. I think next is understanding what your values and your priorities are I and mean, you get in touch with your values and your priorities you use them to weigh um uh, to compare and contrast the things that you are actually doing a lot of times burnout uh corporate burnout in the family wherever it is is about feeling like you don't have 
the resources that you need. And uh, there's a Tony Robbins-ism that says it's not a lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness. And when we're mm. uh, over feeling overwhelmed and burned out, it's hard to tap into what our resourcefulness is. And so it's about getting some clarity. And if you are not someone who currently is um, someone who meditates regularly, um, don't call it meditation, call it, you know, sitting in silence, just and get in the habit of getting quiet. I think the one of the best things we can do for our health um, a, a couple of things is to eat well, is to move your body, and then is to get quiet. And if you can get quiet, which takes time, <laughs> it takes practice, that's why it's called a meditation practice. It takes time or silence practice. It takes time uh, because your brain is like spinning around in circles. And But if you can get to a point where you can learn to um, d d come inside, just come inside uh, and sit in silence, even if stuff is floating around in your head. Learn to be non-judgmental about it. If a thought comes in, acknowledge that it's a thought and say, thank you very much. I am sitting in silence right now. You know, it's gonna keep happening until you until it sees that you're not going to give in to it. So, you know, know where you're going, what it is you want, get your values and priorities straight and start filtering out those things that are not in alignment with your values and your priorities. You can't do everything, right? That That's the bottom mm. line. You cannot do everything. You cannot be everything to everyone. And so you have to decide where are you going to spend your limited resources, your, your time, your your money, your energy, where are you going to put those things? And if you get clear on your values and your priorities and what it is you're trying to work towards, if it doesn't fit with that, then you have to learn uh, the best word, the best sentence in probably any language is no. No is a complete sentence. And at some point you have to learn to say no. Sometimes and not feel guilty. And not feel guilty about it, absolutely. And not, and you don't feel guilty because it's not in alignment with your values and your priorities, right? And so when again going back to that, um, being uh, authentically you, being clear about what your values and your priorities are allows you to say no without guilt. The, the guilt doesn't serve you, and you know. So you're working towards doing things that. Serve you, and while that doesn't mean that you only ever get to do things that you know are like rainbows and unicorns in your life, and you're like all happy about, it doesn't say that. But there are things that you'll do uh, that you may not enjoy because they serve a higher purpose in your life. They they serve your values, they serve your priorities, they serve your vision, and so it's part of what it takes to get there. I can't say that I enjoy sitting down um, at the beginning of the week, uh, or at, actually the way I do it is on Saturday at the end of the week, um, to plan out the next week. I can't say that I enjoy that, but I know that it keeps me on track, right, for the bigger picture of things that I want to do. And so you've got to allow yourself um, the ability to have this clarity 
and then do to do those things. So I think if you start there, it, it's a great place to um, just build a foundation. And then of course, there are other things that you can do on after that. But until you build this foundation of, of clarity of who you are, what's important to you, all that other stuff, it, it, the, the noise will continue to hit you. And the way to start to eliminate the burnout, the overwhelm, um, the, the frustrations is to get clear about what it is you want. How do you want to feel? I want peace. Like peace is one of my highest values. And so I, everything that comes before, every opportunity, I'm weighing, how is this going to help me? Be peaceful. Whitney, I absolutely love that. Um, how does it make you feel? <laughs> because when you when you when you're feeling good about what it is you're doing, it enables you to serve better. It enables you to show up better, um, and you can do more not only for yourself, but you can do yes. more for those that you serve. Um, if you're feeling good, and I, I I know that from personal experience as well. You know, I've I've spent many years um, not feeling good about myself, not feeling not feeling good enough. And again, it it, it circles back to other people's expectations of who yeah. they think I should be. But it prevented me from feeling truly happy and feeling truly secure, and I couldn't give of my best self in whichever endeavor I was involved in because I needed to take care of me first. I need to put, a, yeah. I needed to put on my mask um, so that I could show up as the best version of myself. So I resonate Absolutely. so much it's about with boundaries. what you are saying. Yes. Right. It's about boundaries, setting those boundaries. And the, the most important thing that you have to remember about boundaries is if you don't respect your boundaries, other people will not respect them. So that's why it's so very important to have that clarity about your vision, your values, and your priorities, because you know now what you're protecting. That's what the boundaries are for. They're for protecting that what you find to be the most important thing. And you have to honor those boundaries in order for other people to honor them. And then there, you know, obviously there are strategies and tools and things that you can do to make that happen. But you've got to start there. You've got to start with that foundation. Wow. I think so much flows from putting in those uh, boundaries, as you say, because if you're not clear about what your boundaries are, um, other people are going to, you know, you're going to allow people to step all over you and you're never going yeah. to find that happy space in which you can be truly productive um, and shine in whatever your chosen career Absolutely. is, um, you know, in your, in your, whatever it is you want to do. Um, and, and other people, absolutely, as you said, other people will treat you the way you teach them to treat you. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and that becomes the simple, thing, right? About the burnout. Very profound. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what, uh, Rajetti, all of it is very simple. That <laughs> That's the thing. All of this is very simple. And we have complicated it 
for all kinds of reasons, but we've complicated things that are very simple. And if we would get back to simple, you know, doing things simply, simply looking at life simply, um, that we can, you can have the things that you want. You can do the things that you want. You can be who you want. You can have all of that, right? And, And it's not complicated, but it does require that you get clarity and then say everything that's not this, right? That's not serving whatever that is for you. Um, everything that's not that, it needs to be put on hold. And maybe there's another time for that. Maybe there isn't, right? But only you get to decide what that is. And like you said, if if you're not letting other people's expectations run your life, then the, the your ability to manage the situations that create help to create burnout and the overwhelm in your life, they will start to melt away. Whitney, thank you so, so much for this amazing conversation um, and for all the gems that you've shared with us today. Um, and I want to just give a huge big shout out to our audience on Facebook, on YouTube, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Amazon Live. Thank you for stopping by and um, and taking part in the conversation uh, with us. We truly, truly enjoyed that. Stay safe, everyone. Whitney, I'd love to have you back again. I think we could talk for hours. There's so much I to talk about. <laughs> Just, you know... <laughs> So thank you kindly that. for your thank you kindly for your time. Stay well. Thank you. Take care everyone until next time. Stay safe. We'll be back soon again.